And praise the Lord. Thank you, Emily. Powerful time of worship. And actually, I'd like to, if, if we can, stay in that mindset. <clears throat> I'm wrapping up a series today. We started several weeks ago, and it's just been simply called Getting Out of the Box. What does a box represent? Our limitations, our fears, anxieties, the things that might hold us back, the things that we'll see in a moment that imprison us. But we've, we've talked about getting the church out of the box, how that it's easy for us as a church to put God in a box of how we think he should operate. Somebody, I'm going to ask you to say amen a lot because you'll see in just a moment. Amen, here's what amen means. I agree. So be it. Um, I agree with what the Word of God says there. Amen. I agree. So be it. Okay? So we've been talking about getting the church out of the box. We've been talking about getting the message out of the box. God's grace getting out of the box. We talked about getting the Spirit, the gifts, out of the box. Last week we talked about getting faith out of the box. This week I want to talk about getting worship out of the box. Now, when I say that, some of you, your palms are already sweaty. Because just a few minutes ago, you were thinking, oh, one more song. <laughs> see, I know how we think sometimes. But see, worship is not about a song. As a matter of fact, and I'm going to just read this passage. If you'll please, one more time, just stand with me as we read this together. The Word of God. <laughs> And we're going to talk about worship this morning. Acts chapter 16, very familiar passage, starting with verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer awoke, he saw that the prison doors were open, and he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought him out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and they were baptized at once, he and all of his family. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, we, we grasp today what worship can be. That it's not a song. It's not an emotion. It's you are worthy. And God, I pray that we grasp and understand that through worship, when you show up, there's power to change lives. Now I pray for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so what is worship? If we talk about worship as a box, sometimes it's our, um, our idea of what worship is in church. And when we think about what worship is in church, we have a lot of different thoughts, don't we? You know, happy song, happy song, sad song. Prayer, offering, um, message, hurry up and get to another happy song. Dismiss, and we'll see you next week. 
Now, and that's, that's worship for a lot of people. And the happier the song, if they can really feel it, the happier they are because they can feel something. Now, let me just say this. Is there anything wrong with feeling? No, absolutely not. I pray to the Lord that you feel the power and the anointing of God this morning. But, but I often have found that we have ourselves defined ideas of what worship is, and we sort of glue ourselves to those. That's called putting them in a box. Maybe it's pride. Could be a little of arrogance. In many situations, it's just tradition, but a lot of times it's fear. Fear keeps our worship in a box. What is worship? Well, we know, and pretty much a lot of times, worship is described to us from the book of Psalms, rightfully so. Powerful examples of worship. Uh, Psalms 8, chapter 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalms 29, 2, ascribe or give to the Lord the glory. Do his name. He's worthy. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Psalms 95, 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. Psalms 99, exalt the Lord our God, worship at his footstool, holy is he. Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And see, if we just stop right there, we understand that there's some dynamics. And see, I left out the Psalms that say, oh, clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Um, there, there's several Psalms that we use to describe Worship, but we use it to describe the worship that we're together corporately. And, and it's, it's right. When we're together, um, no, no matter what your traditions are, listen, it's okay to clap your hands. It's okay to raise your hands. Well, I, I wasn't raised that way. I'm trying to get you to get over that. Um, I, I, but, but I don't think that's right. Let's just read the word. But, but here's my point. It's not about just learning how to do calisthenics in church. Because it's, the psalmist gives us wonderful expression. And there's many, I can't preach on what praise and worship is necessarily this morning with, in regards to what it looks like. Because it can look like a lot of different things that you're not comfortable with. But I thought the Bible says everything should be done decently and in order. I believe that. Decently and in order simply means make sure it's focused on God, not you. So then, let's look at the Old Testament just for a minute. I'm, I'm setting this up so we can talk about Acts. But Old Testament worship, God told the people when he gave them the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. But if you read chapter 21, 22, and 23, he, there's a list of continual definitions of how to treat people, how to build altars, how to develop and take care of personal injuries and how to address taking care of people, how the Sabbath law is to be applied and obeyed, how God is to be celebrated. And all these are aspects of worship. So we begin to see that worship is not just that thing that we do when we're together. It is. This is worship. When we come together corporately, there's singing, there's praise, there's the word, there's prayer, there's a response, but it doesn't just stop here. Our worship is just not something we do once a week. 
Our worship is not something we do here at church and then during your devotional time. Worship is a lifestyle. Now, I don't want to over-express that because some people take that to the nth degree and they say, well, everything I do is worship, so church is just a part of it. Really? Well, how's your worship on the outside going? Because when we come here to worship, here's what worship is. Giving God what he is due. He is worthy. He is, he is an awesome God. We praise him for his marvelous works. We praise him for his excellence. We worship. As we just read, we come, we worship, and we bow down before him. Um, I think sometimes we, we attach those actions to it, and as long as we do those things, we feel like we worship. Am I making sense? The Old Testament speaks of sacrifice, memorials, prayers, songs. And again, we do that. And they built the tabernacle. Moses, God commanded Moses to build this tabernacle where the presence of the God, people knew that the presence of God was in that place. It was the showcase. The, the people of God and wherever they went, that every man, woman, and child would know, if you go to that place, God is there. God is there. So what happens in the New Testament? <clears throat> Jesus Christ comes. The word becomes flesh. Paul lets us know that, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Corporate worship has not ceased. It's just that when Jesus was ascended, he promised us the Holy Spirit. And now the presence of God is not just in that place, it's in this place. That's why I like to think about it this way. <clears throat> We come here corporately to worship so we can realize that God is at work in us. We go out of this place and our worship is to show the world that God is at work in us. See, sometimes I, I get, I'll just speak for myself, sometimes I'll get in a situation and I'll think, wow, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. Because I, I just, if I can just get back to church, ever think that way? If I can ever just, man, I just need Sunday. Now, please, we all need this corporate worship. That's not a bad thing to feel. But it's, it's getting out of the mindset that this is the only time God is with you. When you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter what you're going through, as we're going to see today. It doesn't matter what you're going through. When, when you just start remembering who he is and what he's done, he's with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I'm never by myself. I can be going through a very difficult time, just like some of you are going through very difficult times. But God is with you. And the reason worship will set you free is because it's a constant reminder of what God has done, what God is doing, and what God can do. And see, it's not that worship helps you feel good. I've got to be honest with you. <clears throat> There's a lot of times in my, in my own personal life, in my own personal prayer life, where if I'm down and I'm praying, I'm like, okay, I've got to worship God until I feel good. And I'll pray and I'll pray. And I can't even find the right song. Because, you know, we always need our song, don't we? If we can get the right song, okay, I'm feeling it, Lord. I think I'm going to, you know, and I love it when we sing the song, you know, 
Um, we can sing, we can dance, and, you know, I, I don't look around much, but I know if, if you're looking up front that we are, we're doing the white guy thing. That's, that's me getting down, okay? Now, here's, <clears throat> here's my point. If you're just worshiping so you can get your feel on, it's about you. But if you're worshiping because he's worthy, then there's a confidence that, that builds in you, that reminds you <clears throat> it's not by might nor by power. We walk by faith, not by sight. And the Holy Spirit is at work. Now, how does this, how does this plug into where we're going this morning? Very quickly. <clears throat> because this has really been on my heart the last couple of weeks. I, I've really held off preaching on this one, not because it's necessarily meatier than the other ones, in my opinion. I just know how people feel about worship. There's this boundary we put up. You see, what, what I want us to understand this morning is that worship is, is what we do here at the church, but worship is always what, also what we do with our lives here at the church and through the church. Because it's not about us just lifting our hands in the temple and praising him here. It's walking out our lives at work and giving him glory there. So you may not lift your hands to praise him at work, but you may lift your hand to help someone get something off the shelf at the grocery store. And just helping someone gives him, gives God glory. See, we don't think about it like that. that. That's why many times we just sort of live double lives. Can I get there for a minute? We, we're, we're two different people. We're, we're a worshiper at church, and we're worser at home. We're a worshiper at church. And you say, Pastor, are you driving emotionalism? No, I'm not driving emotionalism. I'm trying to get you to understand he is the king. And when you get in the presence of the king and you realize who the king is and what he's done, you will act differently than you do sometimes. It's, it's easy to feel and experience God and love God and even tell yourself, I'm going to do better. I just want to tell you, if we're not careful, our worship simply becomes activity. A raising of the hand, a kneeling, a bowing, even a prayer, a hope that we can maybe do something right this week. But you're not saved by doing something right. You are sinners saved by grace, not of yourself. As a matter of fact, we've got, we've got to stop living our lives hoping and trying to make sure we're saved. Don't raise your hands on this one. But I believe a lot of people live their life throughout the week hoping that God doesn't turn them away. Hoping that they don't do one more thing that messes up <clears throat> their relationship with Christ. Can I tell you that what God wants us to start to live out and understand is that we are saved by grace and God, not just here at the church, but in our lives, he wants to put us on display. He wants people to see you. He wants people to see the cracks in your armor. He wants people to, to get to know you just enough that they may know your story that you're trying to hide from everybody else. He wants, he wants to hold you up and say, listen, look, hey, he was lost, but now he's found. His life, oh, he'll tell you, boom. Some of you need to calm down a little bit on the telling, all right? Some, some just love hanging it all out there. And there's a few of us that Jesus might be saying, okay, back down just a little bit. 
But what am I trying to say? He, he wants to use you to be a light. That's when he calls you the light of the world. Why? Because people can't see your light when it's under a basket. But pastor, my life is so messed up. Welcome to all of us. We're all sinners saved by grace. But I also have found, and it's not, you know, when I, when I think about it this way, the law in the Old Testament was never about you break it, you're going to pay. God knew that we couldn't keep the law. It was more about, I'm jumping here a little bit, but remember when Peter denied Christ? And after the resurrection, he told the ladies, hey, go tell the disciples to meet me at the, at the shore. And by the way, tell Peter to come to and, you know, if, if, he, if, if Jesus at that moment was like us, he would have said, make sure Peter comes. I got a few things I want to tell him. And Peter would have showed up and we would have given Peter a piece of our mind. How could you desert me at the time I needed you to make a stand? You know, we would have had all good. We'd have been, we'd have been working on our stories, right? I know you don't do that, but we, we, at that point, we would have been working on our stories. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus, Peter comes walking up. I know, I can't imagine what Peter was thinking. But Jesus' words to Peter were, do you love me? Yes. Yes, I do. Do you love me? See, it's, it's never about you better follow the rules. It's when you understand what Jesus has done, you love him? When you understand what Jesus has done, it's not hard to say thank you, Lord. It's not hard to raise your hands. It's not hard. Listen, if you can't kneel now, you will. Because every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess. Now, I, I say that because it's about a humble, uh, a worshiper has a humble heart and a humble spirit. Because it's not about a show. It's not even about making sure people see you do something. The Bible even says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And, and we jokingly say, well, you know, not, not some people. Well, it doesn't say, let everybody sing wonderfully. It says, make a joyful noise. All creation can make noise. When the waves crash in at the beach, they're praising God. I just want to encourage you this morning to understand that worship's not about just calisthenics. It really is a heart issue. It's not about trying to make sure we follow the rules or where the pastor said kneel down, the pastor said stand up, the pastor said clap your hands, and that's, what we're, that's how we worship. We just do whatever he says. That's not what worship is. Worship is knowing in your heart who you serve and what he's done for you. And when we come together corporately, reminding ourselves that he is in this place. I, I, I pray for the day not that people would drive by here and it'd be about Grace River, but that people would drive by here. This cannot be our strategy, by the way. I know some people make this their strategy. Let's just pray for God to bring them in. That's called lazy. Because the Bible didn't say, hope they come. He said, go and make. But I do pray for the day that when people drive by this church, they just sense something. They... They, 
There's something different. But more than that, I pray that when they walk by you in the store, they sense something. I pray that when they work by you at work, that every time they get around your desk, they sense something. I pray that when, they, when, they, when, when you cross paths in the hallway, they sense something. Well, pastor, you don't know where I work and you don't know who I have to hang out with. I, I, I realize that. And maybe I don't. But see, I, I, I do know who desires to live in you. I do know who desires to take your life and restore and transform you to the point where you can be a life changer in so many people's lives around you. So let's, let's look at Acts for just a moment. I know time is, is getting away from us, but, but I want us to look at this because when we worship corporately, we say God is here. When we worship and we leave this place, and we'll talk about ways we worship when we're not here, um, it's because God is here. Now, what can that mean for us today from this passage? First of all, the world that we live in does not worship God. The world that we live in does not worship God. Now, we, they all worship something. Because what is worship? It's giving something worth. It's saying, that is priceless to me. It's saying, that is the power that I, that I strive for. Without being silly, what does our culture worship? Sports. Uh, we worship movie stars. We worship bands. We worship artists. We'll pay top dollar to get on the front row. Uh, it's going to get real here for just a minute. We'll pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get on the front row of of something that you, your ears will be bleeding when you leave. It's so loud. But we don't even give to Vacation Bible School. We'll pay, we'll pay top dollar and we'll go to a game. Now, by the way, am I against concerts? No. Am I against football games? No. Am I against baseball games? No. Am I against Kentucky basketball? Yes. Um, <laughs> those are all wonderful things. But why is it, and you hear preachers use this all the time, nobody's embarrassed to do a wave at the Redskins game. If we're all at a Redskins game or Dallas or whoever your team is, and all of a sudden you see it starts. There it goes. It goes, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> That's all it is, but you were right in the middle of it. Even if you don't like it, you did it. You, you set down all your stuff because you don't want to spill your peanuts and you drop your hot dog. You say, oh, God, here it comes. Oh, my Lord, here it And you're right back now. You don't have a problem doing that. But we come to church and I just don't. I just, it's, it's reverence. No, you just don't want to worship. That's just real. I'm sorry. It's, it's more of, and, and I get it. I've been the same way. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I can't stand when that, that worship leader or the preacher gets up there. Let's just worship the Lord. Clap your hands. I'll clap when I'm ready to clap my hands. He just, let's, let's just lift our hands. I'm going to lift my Who does he think he is? But we'll go to a baseball game and we'll yell at the guy in the blue. We'll, ye we'll yell at people. Well, somebody hits a home run, we're out of our seats, we're screaming. 
Yeehaw. We're, we're, yeah, seven, yeah, I mean, just everything. You name it, we're not afraid to do it. Now, I say that not to condemn you guys, but to let you know what's in you. It's what have you decided is worth? What have you really in your heart decided? John chapter 4, I'm, I promise you we're getting to Acts as quickly as I can. In John chapter 4, Jesus is having a powerful conversation with the Samaritan woman. He meets at the well. She's got multiple husbands living with the guy she's with. And Jesus is talking to her about worship. He's not saying, my Lord, my God. What kind of lifestyle are you living, woman? No, he's talking about worship. Why? Because if you can decide what a person puts worth in, you can show them that God is better. You can't condemn a person and make them follow Jesus. But you can find out what they think is worth something and show them that over time, that's never going to stand. So Jesus says, well, there's coming a day. You know, you say worship here, worship on this mountain, worship. I'm telling you there's coming a day when those that worship will worship in spirit and in truth. And I'm going to break that down as, as simply and as quickly as I can because there's a lot of meat there. But here's what it simply means. In spirit means there's not one location he'll be found. He can be found anywhere. Why? Because he's going to be in every believer. So when we come together, we can worship him in spirit. We don't see him, but he's here. But in truth means it's not about just coming and worshiping in a location. It's about living it out obediently. So now we worship God and we live his word out. We worship God. As you're worshiping God, things happen. The Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. Believe me, sometimes in worship, you're not raising your hands. You're bowing your head. Sometimes worship sounds more like, oh, oh me, than hallelujah. But it's all worship. And it's about walking it out. It's, it's about being obedient. See, that, that's why the, the, the word tells us, I'd, I'd rather you walk out obedience than make another sacrifice. Jesus says it like this, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now, here's, here's, I'm just talking to the church right now. We know how to come and sing. We know how to come and sit. We know how to come and, and function. But when we leave, have we just made a sacrifice? Or are we willing to be obedient? That's the worship. That's the worship. Now, how does this play into Acts when we talk about the world does not worship God? We need to understand the world does not see things like we see things. We can't expect them to. The world does not live. They, they want to know what they see. They want to know what they can have right now. And they want it right now. And we're just like them sometimes. But in the book of Acts, you see Paul and Silas, they're, they're going to prayer. They're, they're going to prayer. And this woman, in the verses uh, before what we just read a moment ago, this, this woman is following them. She's, she's possessed. She's a fortune teller. 
and she's making this guy a ton of money, and she's not really causing any problems with anybody else, but she's following, the Bible says, for some days. So it wasn't a one-time event. She's following them around, and what she's proclaiming is, these men are men of God. Now, now here's, here's what you don't hear preached a lot, because she had a spirit. And the Bible says that when she cried out, it was in a demonic spirit. So it sounded like those movies you don't let the kids watch. It sounded demonic. So after, after a time, the Bible says Paul was annoyed. Um, when you're walking this out, if things don't annoy you sometimes, there's something wrong. If you're more comfortable to the things around you then you are uncomfortable, something's wrong. If things going on in your life, in your marriage, at your workplace, I mean, there's obvious things in our lives where the Holy Spirit says, hey, that's sin. And, and we know it, and we're just wrestling with it, we're fighting against it. But, but I'm talking about those things in our lives that, that we know that there are things in our lives and there are things around us that we just sort of put up with because we really don't want the hassle, quite honestly. But Paul, the Bible says, got so annoyed, frustrated, that he turns around and he casts the demon out. And the Bible says that that very, that very hour, she was healed. Now, I find this interesting because her master suddenly realized he's not making any more money off of this girl. That's why he gets mad but that's not how he gets Paul and Silas arrested. Here's what gets Paul and Silas arrested. He takes them before the magistrate. He takes them before the leaders of the city. And he says, these guys are teaching and preaching something that goes against our culture. Because see, in, in Rome at that time, they didn't want you coming in and proselyting. So to come in and say there was another king meant trouble. To come in and say there's another savior meant trouble. And, and so this guy who's losing his income to this person, he can no longer, I don't, nowadays you can call anything you want, sex slave. Somebody taking advantage of somebody else. Can you imagine what would happen if, if prostitutes all over Virginia Beach were to get saved and come to Jesus? The first thing that we would have to do is, is understand that we'd have to stop judging. It starts here. We'd have to start judging. Stop judging. And, and, and then there'd be a lot of people mad at us. Because we just took some income out of their pocket. Now, you think I'm crazy, but what are you, what are you willing to get mad at? Abortion happens every day. When are you willing to Step up to that young lady who's thinking about abortion and saying, there's a better way. Let me walk with you. Not just, well, I'm, I'll pray for you. And walk away. When are we willing to take some hard steps that, that listen, could get you in trouble? L living this Christ-like life has never meant to be. We, it's easy being a Christian when there's no pain. But when it, when it costs you something, and we're getting here in just a moment, when it, listen, 
it, you, you're never going to really change lives. You're never going to be put in a position for God to do miracles unless you're willing to be put in a position where you need a miracle. We want miracles to happen, and then we'll walk in them. That's not how it works. You need a miracle when you've walked into something God's called you to do, and it's not what you thought. And you have to depend on God like you have never before depended on God. So what happens? They're thrown in jail. They're thrown in jail, and the jailer, um, knowing the circumstances, knowing that these two guys, are, are, they had already been beaten. They didn't just throw them in jail. They stripped them of their clothes, and they beat them. We can't imagine that happening today, can we? Well, it may not be your physical body, but what if it's your reputation? It may not be your physical body, but what if you did lose your income? What, you know, we always hear the threats of the government shutting down the tax-exempt status of churches, and, and if they did that, why, churches would have to close. Um, can I just throw this out there? That might not be the worst thing that could ever happen to the church. I'll guarantee you when people start praying for more than God, help me not have a flat tire. When people start praying for a miracle because they need their marriage healed and they know they're on the, they're on the outs, they need a miracle of God or we're not going to make it to the next day. See, we're so blessed in this nation. We have the next 25 years of our life planned out. Um, we, we, we have five years planned out here. And when we plan things out, there's never an accident. When we plan things out, there's never any pain. Everybody still love me? Um, here's the reality. There's going to be times when you, when you really follow God and obey God, you, you're going to walk into a hornet's nest. Paul and Silas, and, and, and God will even call you on the phone if he has to to get your attention. <laughs> now here's, here's, here's what Paul and Silas find themselves in. Paul and Silas find themselves chained to the bottom of a prison floor. And if it was you and I, can we be real? If it was you and I, we would just be trying to find the best lawyer. Who can, who can, who can bail us out? Who can, you know, what's this going to do to my reputation? I'm, I'm the pastor at Grace River. Now I've done time. And maybe, you know, I really wasn't even preaching. I just helped the lady. It was by accident. <laughs> it's not my fault. This is not right. This is not fair. Sound familiar? I shouldn't be having to go through this. <laughs> Come on. I'm not wishing pain on anybody. But what I found is that when we forget who we serve, it's easy to forget what he can do. And Paul and Silas, they're not sitting there complaining. They're singing. They've not lost their mind. They've not forgotten their God. They, they've, not, they've not lost their hope. Can, can you imagine that, that Paul is sitting in jail, and, and, and the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I can almost imagine before he says, Silas, let's sing. He just starts to think, man, you know how many people I have had thrown in jail? I wonder how, I, I've lost count of how many people I had beaten for doing the same thing I did today. I, I know I can take this. Come on, Silas, let's sing. 
I, I know, I know that when I met Jesus on the Damascus Road, he blinded my eyes, but he opened my heart. See, things don't always turn out the way I, I think they should turn out, and things don't always happen when I think they should happen, but I know whom I have believed, and he is able. And see, they start to, they start to sing, and the Bible says, one, some translations say sing hymns, and what a hymn is, is just a story of God's greatness. All the great hymns that we've ever sung, and all the great hymns that have ever been written, they're just... Verse after verse of the stories of God. Some hymns that have been written have 15, 20 verses. So, oh, please, Lord, don't let us find those hymns. Don't worry. Every, every church movement takes those hymns and they take out the verses they don't agree with. That, I'm, that's not that's true. So, so we sing hymns, but uh, a hymn for Paul and Silas May have been, I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He bought me, and he, because see, Paul, Paul knew what it was for Jesus to seek him out. Paul experienced that himself. He knew exactly what it was like to be walking down the Damascus Road, and Jesus shows up. See, Paul knew. So when Paul's sitting there singing songs, he's not singing out of, I hope something happens. Let's try that verse one more time. <laughs> I hope, you know, and, and nothing against our praise team, please, we talk about this all the time. If, if they start feeling like they have to work something up, we're nothing but the priest on Mount Carmel trying to awake a sleeping God. All it is is activity. But it's, it's amazing what happens when you know and you start singing praises to God. See, because really Paul was already worshiping when he was going to prayers. I want you to get this. It wasn't that Paul started worshiping. He was already worshiping. He was going to prayer. He was living it out. He turned around and told him, be free in the name of Jesus Christ. His whole lifestyle is a life of worship. It got him in trouble. It lands him in prison. What prison are you in this morning? What situation are you in? It might not even be your fault, but what circumstances are you in this morning that you just don't know the way out? See, the, the second thing, and I'm closing very quickly. The second thing is, <laughs> after the world we know will not worship God, you don't know who your worship will set free. You have no idea who your worship will set free. See, I love that little part of that verse that says, and the prisoners were listening. Mom and dad at home, people are listening. It's okay to worship. It's okay to sing songs in the car. Man, that's where I learned how to sing. We, my dad, in his first pastorate, preached at several nursing homes once a month and I just thought I was going to a nursing home as a little kid and we'd be singing all these songs all the way to the nursing home and we'd get to the nursing home and he'd put a chair up and stand me on us and I'd sing them again and walk away. <laughs> I didn't know I was in training the whole way there. Um, but why? Because worship just isn't 
10 a.m., 11 a.m., we're out of here at 11.45. Thank God we can get to the restaurant before the Baptist. <laughs> Worship is the greatest deliverance could take place at the restaurant. Worship is, is not coming to church trying to get your feel-good on. Now, I'm talking to all of our leaders right now. If you wait till you come in this building to get feeling good so you can lead people, you're not a leader. You're not leading anybody. Not because you've got a position, because you're just not ready. There, there's a mindset of being ready. There's a mindset of being prepared. There's a mindset of praying in the morning so when you get to work. I say this all the time, but it's not really a joke. You'll either pray in the morning or you'll pray at night. Your mornings will be, praise God. Lord, I can't wait to see what you're doing today. Or they'll be tonight, please, Lord, forgive me of what I did today. There's going to be prayer. I know I feel like I'm all over the map this morning. But, but people's, people's lives are changed when you worship. How is this? There's just something about worshiping God even in the midst of your difficult circumstances. There's something about living this out even when things don't feel right. There's something about living this out even when you didn't get a fair shake. There's something about living this out even though you've been a failure in the past, but you've made a commitment and people remind you of your past, but you continue to look to God who defines your future. There's just something about that power that, that really does set people free because the Bible says the prisoners were listening and I just somehow believe that what the prisoners were hearing that, oh God, we know you can. <laughs> oh God, if you rose from the dead, this is nothing. This is just a jail cell. This is just a little box that I'm in right now. And they began to sing, and the prisoners heard it, and then the Bible says there was an earthquake. And the doors opened, and their bands were loosed. Now, now you know the rest of the story. The prisoner, the guard of the prisoners was about to kill himself because he just assumed everybody was gone. Paul and Silas said, no, 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 wait, we're, we're still all here. You see, you don't even want to leave prison when God's there. You start to understand that God has you places for a reason. You start to understand that, that it just could be that where you are, you've been desperately trying to get out. Maybe you've been complaining, I hate this place, I need a new beginning, I need a new start. Why don't you start by praising and see what God has got for you. Because when you start praising, you might find that God's already right in the middle. And I'm not even talking about Daniel in the fiery furnace this morning. Somebody say, thank the Lord. He's already been on 17 sermons. It's just, it's just too biblical for us to miss this. God is in the midst of where you think he's not. And when the guard's getting ready to kill himself, Paul says, no. We've not gone anywhere. The service just got started. People being set free can happen anywhere. It's not about us getting to the temple. They didn't say they took the guard to the temple. 
They, they, they spoke to him. They went to his family's house. They spoke with him. And they were baptized right there. Why? Because it's not about four walls. It's about where God is and where you have given him worth. That's where he shows up. Now, I don't know where you are this morning, but I want to pray. This, this message may seem so simple to you, but I just wonder what life would look like. Maybe you feel like you're in a prison. Maybe you feel like you've been boxed in. Maybe you feel like your circumstances, that's just the way it's going to be. That's just the way it is. Life's never going to change. I wonder what it would look like if you looked to God and gave Him praise rather than your circumstances. Now please, please listen. You will feel the chains. You'll feel them. It didn't say Paul and Silas got up and danced around. They were chained to the floor. There's going to be times in your life where you feel it. You feel the pain. You feel the stress. But, but in their minds, in their hearts, and on their tongues, was praise. Because it's not about a chain. It's about a God. And you never know who's listening. And you never know who's God. See, I'm, I, when, I'm, when I was just praying about this, even earlier this morning, I, just, I was thinking about a lot of you in here and where you work. And we, get, we talk about this and, and we start to say, well, pastor, I can't go to work and really worship like you're talking about because you're still defining worship like here at church. Oh, so you're, pastor, you mean I, I got to go to my workplace and lift up holy hands and worship at, at my desk like this? And look around and see if anybody's watching so I can say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Um, I'm not trying to be silly, but that's not the worship I'm talking about. Can I be real for a second? For a lot of us, worship's just going to look like showing up on time. For, for a lot of us, it will look like showing up, and when we're told to do something, we do, we do it better than anybody else in the office. A, a lot for a lot of us it will look like going in and not complaining about a thing being the voice of confidence being the voice of encouragement letting that person know hey listen if you need help man let me know please I know I live 20 minutes away but just call me. All right? I'm serious if you need help and then being there see that's worship that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 12 I beseech you therefore brothers that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's worship. Here I am, Lord. He is our sacrifice. We don't need another sacrifice for sin. He paid it all. But now I give myself whatever he's called me to do. It, it may be helping somebody. Listen, some of you are worshiping just when you help at VBS this week. Don't, don't come to church this week thinking, oh, God. Those kids. I've got 14. It's just not fair. I've got 14 kids in my group, and Pastor Corey's only got three. It's not fair. I'm locked up in this jail cell with these kids. You know, I know. I know why you don't want to work in the nursery. Um, 
I, I, how about if you come to church, though? You know what? They're, they're little devils. But, but I'm going to worship. This is my worship. I'm going I'm to love on these little guys because they're going to know Jesus by Friday. They're going to be angels by Friday. They may act like the devil at home, but they're going to be angels when I'm done. Why? Because it's worship. You may be helping with the snacks. You may be helping with the decorations. You may be helping park cars. You may be an usher. On This is just what we do here at the church. You may be an usher. Don't ever think that being an usher is like a second-rate ministry position. You're the first person that people see when they walk in that door. The anointing of God needs to be all over you. So when they walk in the door, they sense the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're not thinking, oh man, I, I, I hope the service isn't long. They're already thinking, wow, I feel God in this place. See, there's no second rate anything in the kingdom of God because it's worship. Everything we, if, if you come and help clean the building, it's worship. I mean, I'm, and I, please, this isn't about me. But when I, I change light bulbs. I work on toilets. But here's, you know, I'd like to call that worship. I'm never thinking about it as worship when I do it. I'm not like, hallelujah. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, I know I should turn off the electricity first. <laughs> but I'm not thinking about it as worship. Um, at, quite honestly, sometimes it's, how, it's selfishness. I'm just thinking, I want to see something done right now. Because people won't change fast enough, Lord. So I'm going to change a light bulb so I can see change now. So I'll change a light bulb. But you know what? God just reminds me, everything we do, changing a light bulb, locking the door, taking care of a child, that's all worship. Not just leading the music. That's powerful. Because, you see, the, the reason that's so important and powerful is because everybody sees it. But it's no more important than the, than the thing that happens that nobody sees. It, it's no more important than that person you'll talk to this, work, this week at home or at school that, that needs to just know that there's hope. And just because you're living it in the midst of your struggles, they hear something in your voice. And their life has changed. And we stand. <clears throat> Father, let's pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, if there are those here this morning that are struggling, they feel trapped in a box. Lord, and not necessarily even in a box of a worship style. That's not really what it's about. But Lord, they just feel trapped. Circumstances, life, issues. It may be ministry driven. It may be uh, choices they're making. It may be a job. It may be family. It may be relationships. It may be their health. Lord, I just pray that right now in the name of Jesus Christ, that, that they would realize that getting the worship out of the box isn't about singing louder or running faster. Our harder calisthenics. Yes, Lord, you are worthy of our praise. And when we come to you, Lord, you are due 
You are worth everything. So it's easy to lift up holy hands. It's easy to sing songs. Lord, when we bow down before you, it's to humble ourselves before you because you are worthy. But Lord, I pray for those this morning that are in that box. They're in that cell. Lord, I'm not even caring this morning about the reason as much as they understand, Lord, that not just their lives, but people all around them can be changed. Simply because we choose to be men and women who worship. So Lord, with our lifestyles, with our choices, with our actions, Lord, we don't just give lip service. You have our hearts. And we want it to show up in everything that we do this week. Let every act that we participate in, let us realize it's an act of service, which is an act of worship. Lord, when we're here together corporately, Lord, we're we're desiring to sense your presence and have your Holy Spirit change lives. So we step aside, Lord, and say, have your way. But Lord, we say the same thing. Lord, when you speak to us this week, have your way. When you tell us to reach out to someone, we pray that you have your way. And Lord, I just pray that right now in the name of Jesus Christ, that those, Lord, who are hurting, even as we sing this song in just a moment, Lord, they would just sense and understand that by faith, the chains are loosed. And Lord, those that desire prayer, I I pray that they would come, that we can just celebrate and pray and praise what you are doing in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. I want us to sing this song. Um, As we sing, if uh, first I want us just to worship and sing this song as we close the service. But if you need special prayer, just come. We want to pray with you, and then we'll be dismissed. Amen.